Hi, I'm Tally. Hi, I'm Tony. And we're book lovers. Who are lazy? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Hi. Happy um, Thursday. Thursday. Oh, yeah, it's Thursday for them. It's Thursday in their timeline. <laughs> yeah. Happy future Thursday. <laughs> What's it like there? Is, is it is it stop raining? <laughs> There's been some sun. I miss the sunshine. Nah. I saw it for two days and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I the only time I get excited about sunshine is I'm like, oh, I can put my washing out to dry really quickly. Oh yeah, I forget you you're allergic to the the hot and the sun. Yeah, just doesn't like work. Living in Malta doesn't work for vampires does it no it's not for your skin tone <laughs> no, they're going around in a hot oh. with a parasol one of those people <laughs> parasol, parasol. Yeah. so today okay. we are going to discuss our favorite tropes i guess what some tropes? some are going to be like generic tropes and perhaps I know I've got a few very specific ones yeah I suspected mine mine are going to be quite generic I think because again I'm a bit of a basic bitch when it comes to my reading <laughs> but I think yours might be quite a bit more interesting a couple of rather specific ones <laughs> so we actually do have some definitions of what trope means oh please. Yeah. like a professional uh, a trope is a word or expression using a figurative sense, i.e. a figure of speech. B, a common or overused theme or device, such as a cliche. And that's, yeah, yeah, those are the ones that are relevant to us. It has a bunch of other de definitions in this bookish context. Yeah, so that's they're usually they seen as like a negative thing, like a cliche, but... Hmm. They don't have to be. And some of these things I'm going to mention today, they're not actually tropes. They're just specific things I like in books, but I'm going to refer to <laughs> for today. Specific to your psychology. <laughs> specific things that really, really just, they do it for me in a book <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> Shall we, I don't know, how, how many do you have? Or you're just going to off the cuff? Five. Five. I've got, I've got five, but there'll probably be some off the cuffs while yeah. we talk, but I'm going to go with five central ones. Okay. I've got six okay. central ones. I've got one that I reckon we both have, yeah. potentially. Found family? Go on then, I like these games. Oh. Um, no, actually. Oh, really? Oh no, this is fine. I've got, I've got quite a few, I've got ten. Ten? And you don't have found family? Ten. No, I don't. Found family. I mean, so this is from, I'm not going to lie. This is the original list is from a blog that is from February in earlier this year. So I think found family has become a, a new thing for me so far this year. Uh, or maybe I, it was in all these books that I enjoy. I just didn't realise that was the word for it. I don't know. I only heard the term maybe about two, maybe three years ago when I first started getting really into booktube. Um, ah, yeah. So before then, I hadn't really heard the term. 
And then once I heard it, I realised a lot of books I enjoyed had that in it. So I actually saw a TikTok where someone was someone did a list of their favourite found families. And then a comment was, uh, Six of Crows isn't found family. They're uh, <gasps> co-workers that have been forced together. And I was like, yes. Rude. But they're also found family. Like, my interpretation is they may have started off as co-workers that were forced to work together, but they were very much found family by the end well, of like, Six of Crows, let alone Cricket Kingdom, right? And, like, Kaz, Kaz and Inej were already kind of found family for each other. But because they were both, like, traumatised, they kept it very professional. Not because... But they, they were already quite protective of each other. Like, even Kaz, what he did for Inej, when he got... When he, like, bought His her. boss man buy her contract, yeah. Well, he didn't yeah. buy her, he bought her contract. And yeah, then she yeah. was paying them back as a loan. Yeah. So yeah, it, like, even that kind of stuff is very... And then people like Jasper was already friends. And I was like, he wasn't a friend to begin with, though. He was a trusted employee almost, wasn't he? Well, that's all to do with how Kaz is a little bit traumatised. Yeah. And he sees his brother in Jasper. And obviously all his trauma is wrapped up in what happened with his brother. Yeah. So the reason he kept Jasper at arm's length again and kept it as a professional relationship is because Kaz wasn't okay and he he starts to get better as the books go on he starts to work on his stuff like looking back on it it's very much a kind of Kaz finding himself really isn't it and it's Kaz starting to take some steps to get over like quite a significant trauma yeah and all, um, the rest of the crows help him along the way without even meaning to yeah without knowing what is actually like only he ever tells anyone even Inej what actually happened to him we only know because we're the reader and we hear it from Kaz's point of view yeah but I, he never tells anyone no we get bits and pieces but he never tells anyone no Inej knows he's got something to do with touch but and she knows it's different from her touch issues which is to do with like sexual exploitation yeah yeah she knows it's not that she doesn't know why he has a problem with touch yeah yeah exactly um yeah i think they found family i think they count and their children yeah they're like i think the oldest is like 19 well i'm listening to king of scars at the moment and nina mentions that she's 19 and that's set yeah. after Crooked Kingdom. I don't know how much after, maybe a year. So, yeah, they're all, you know, 19 and under. I'm sure Kaz is 19. In 17. 17. Yeah, 17. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of my other favourite found family type ones. What about in the Shadowhunters or that series? Do they have, does that have an element of it? Yeah, but they're, well, they're kind of, they are all forced together by circumstance because they work in institutes or they get raised in them or some of them are orphaned and put into, they get sent to different institutes and that's how they kind of meet. Um, but there's a common theme of the adults suck and let them down and they have to make their own families. Yeah, yeah. So it kind, it kind of is that found family kind of thing. The only one with the adults suckless is the, the latest series, The Last Hours. Mm. But that's because it's just that's Tessa and Will who are angels. 
you don't know this reference I'm hoping someone listening will (laughs) (laughs) for me I would say you haven't read the Gentleman Bastards series but I've only read the first book that one is very much fan family the lies of Locke Lamora and the Edge Chronicle series that I just will talk about until my dying (laughs) breath um to be fair Skullduggery Skullduggery's fan family for sure especially like Valkyrie and Skullduggery's relationships that's very fan family and then they have characters that come and go for various reasons because Derek Landy is cruel to his characters (laughs) um (laughs) but they have a very they get a few found families as they go along he's not afraid to kill off main people for sure he actually did a tweet that was like it was a retweet of someone else's tweet but he was like for all of you complaining about all the people that we lose in x book just read the below and it was like people complain this is the tweet is people complain that i killed off their favorite characters like they aren't people i made up for that exact purpose oh yeah like he you know he probably knew from creating them that he was going to kill them off so they were always just fodder oh yeah i'm not over it it's in like the middle of the 15 books as well, like roughly when this big trauma happens. Um. <laughs> and then ov- obviously the anyway. other one of fan family element would be Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Because he does well, not have Harry, a family. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. No. He loses all, a lot of his family on the way. That is just one. Well, that's, yeah. He- he loses people over and over and over doesn't he yeah like he thinks he's found more family and they take get taken away and yeah Hagrid. Hagrid's always there <laughs> but we've run doesn't get a name <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have a kid named after him god damn it and then uh there's kind of that book series ember in the ashes has a bit of found family yeah a little yeah. bit but they all kind of go their separate ways at the end so to live their separate lives but this is like bit where they all kind of come together and save the world and then maybe in carve the mark but these are more sometimes it's couples that kind of built their found family in each other yeah so i don't know if they count they're the ones i can think of off the top of my head mm. uh, one of us is lying all the kids in that kind of Oh yeah, yeah. For um, yeah. What's the main the boy called? The one is it Nate? He gets yeah, yeah. Like the he, bad boy. He finds a family with Rowan, Bronwyn, Bron- Bronwyn, Bronwyn, and the others as well. But mostly, and then the yeah. female—I can't remember their names now. The like, the cheerleader type one. She finds a family with the rest as well. When she realizes she can have much more in her life than just. Job. yeah when she breaks up with the horrible boyfriend and yeah. all that kind of stuff yeah and starts to tell her mum like no and she cuts um, off and stuff doesn't or, yeah she was like you go girl i know did you read have you read the second one no i've got it i haven't read it yet i was trying to mine my way through the more of my list <laughs> yeah that's fair fair enough um, yeah. again we can avoid series okay so let me do one of mine i don't know if this is specific but anyway (laughs) the grouchy angry strict character like scary character who has a soft side yeah Um, like 
grim faced and like battle worn, but they're all soft and squishy, really. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'll have like the sunshine character who's always just like trying to cheer up the grumpy one. And then the grumpy one, like, kind of secretly is like, oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Definitely Six of Crows would fall under that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think just um, Nina and Matthias would be encapsulating that. <laughs> Yes. Uh, in that series, that Shatter Me series, the best friend in that is like a big joker because the two main characters are very serious people and they're like super traumatized. But then the best friend, whose name is escaping me, he's deals with this trauma and all the shit that goes on by being really funny all the time and kind of taking the mick out of the two serious main characters. It's got to be done sometimes, hasn't it? Yeah. I don't have any exact any other off the cuff examples no, of that, but you haven't read it yet. But Cinder from the Lunar Chronicles, that yeah, has a little bit of that in it. The main character Cinder, she's really grumpy because of her circumstances, and then she has like a yeah. little android who is like her best friend, and he's just like everything's lovely, everything's fun, like, and she's just like, oh, shut up, <laughs> like, stop it. Yeah, it's one. Yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Especially for a bit of like light comedic relief. Yeah. In a battle scene or something, like something really like deep happens, and then after that, there's just that one like cracking jokes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. I could, I know off the top of my head matches up, but I don't. I don't think I can think of anything else right now. I think there's like Alec and Magnus in the Shadowhunter books. Mm. Alec is very serious and somber he lightens up as the series goes on because like he's dealing with being gay in the shadow hunter world where they're not super accepting of it okay um and magnus and then also he falls in love with a warlock which is also a bit too big so it's like a double whammy but then magnus is just this very charismatic funny immortal person who's like <laughs> i'm more powerful than all of you bow down <laughs> please <laughs> in the beginning their whole dynamic is like Alec is very angsty and serious and Magnus is just like okay um I'll I'll be really soft and gentle with you but hilarious <laughs> you're a child <laughs> <laughs> I love that yeah so that's one of my mm. and I also have have a meme for that one as well of like I hate cliches author the grumpy one is soft for the sunshine one. Me, sobs. Oh my God, the grumpy one is soft for the sunshine one. <laughs> it's such a good cliche though. I love it. <laughs> it's one that just works. It's good. It's just lovely to see like the opposite style and like coming to like each other. And I recently read yeah. a book that is the perfect book for that. It's called Big Read. It's a contemporary rom-com. Okay. And the main characters are that. One is absolute sunshine and one is absolute darkness. And it was brilliant. I also like it when there's a, like another example of that that's not a like, kind of Professor McGonagall. Mm. Very strict. She's a big softie. Oh, when she's like, like biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And stuff like that. All the time she kind of surprises us a little bit. Mm. That's another example of like, you know, the grumpy one. <laughs> Yeah, when they and look really soft, scary, but they're like, yeah, not, yeah, soft and squishy. I love those. I think it's any like authority figure who's yeah. like secretly kind and squishy, and I'm like, oh, 
anyway I had so I had a, a teacher in school who was like everyone thought was dead strict and then if you actually gave a shit about her subject she was really nice to you she didn't have time for other kids <laughs> no she absolutely didn't she's like if you don't want to be in my lesson fine off you pop yeah don't give a shit mate I'll, I'll, I'll help you pass and I will then I'll actually teach the ones you want to be here yeah it makes sense that was the division in our head everyone will pass and I'll do my utmost to help you pass but I am not expending extra energy on you beyond that it makes sense mm-hmm. so what's your next one retellings I just love retellings I can't get enough of them mm-hmm. retellings or like reimaginings or whatever fairy tales yeah. and I'm kind of starting to get really into like mythology ones as well I'm currently reading law yeah and I really love Cersei. I have not had the heart to read Song of Achilles yet. Oh, Song of Achilles is next for me after I'm read. I'm just about to start. They both die at the end. Mm. And then after that, I'm like, I just finished Midnight Library. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. What did you think? I'm like, I'm going to... Oh, it's really like, good. Which... Yeah, it's not a very big book at all. No, no. So I read it. The way it... The way the book is, you can read through quite quickly, can't you? Because you kind of want to see the next stage or whatever. Started it at the start of this week, which has been quite busy in the real life. And then I was reading it in snippets because the signal, I went on holiday for a few days, but the signals are not very good. So anytime it was like one person was going up to buy drinks or something, I was like, I'm just going to quietly pull this out of my bag because <laughs> I can't sit there on my phone. <laughs> and then on the beach I did a bit of reading and stuff so uh, yeah I got through it quite quickly for me I don't know what you thought about it. for me I wasn't on board with it until the end like I could gather what the author was doing and I was like yeah okay I get it okay okay mm. okay but at the end I actually really it really made me enjoy the book and it was almost like even though I knew what the moral of the book was going to be yeah I it, knew the ending you didn't I knew what it feel... was going to be it didn't feel boring or cliche at the end. I wasn't like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, it actually. Forced. Yeah, like yeah. it actually made me feel something, even though I knew, even though from the first page you knew what it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll save my full kind of evaluation of that for the, the monthly roundup of our reading, because I don't read enough to sprinkle them throughout the month. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's we, get them all at the end. Just stick to the topic at hand, apologies. <laughs> Oh, we were well. The topic at hand was Cersei, and then you're going to ring song, read song, song of Achilles. Um, so yeah, they they aren't coming up soon for me. Hopefully, maybe yeah. I've read it by our next roundup. Who knows? I'm being optimistic because <laughs> they're short books. I've got a few short books lined up. Hopefully, bit of a break. So maybe you after your long series and stuff. Style of Sea was quite big, so <sighs> that's. And I think I had a couple of big ones before that. So I'm trying to go through some small books for a while. Yeah. Um, just get the variety going. Yeah. And read some more of the list. <laughs> Whatever retellings have you read lately then? So obviously I recently read Akatar. Mm-hmm. Um, the Lunar Chronicles, I need to reread. But they're uh, a recap. Yep. I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I read The Vegetarian. Okay. And who writes it? It's by a korean author and that was a retelling of i think it was a shakespeare something but i don't i don't know okay. what the original is i haven't read that but today i worked out my tbr for next month and on it is if we were villains which is a 
Shakespeare retelling of some description. Oh, I didn't know that. I've heard of the book. I didn't know it was a retelling. Yeah, of, I don't know oh. what. But mostly I enjoy like the fairy tale retellings. So mm. um, I'm looking forward to reading that torn book by Jasmine Watson. Oh, I pre-ordered mine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I pre-ordered the paperback. Uh, for anyone who maybe didn't hear that she was one of the ones mentioned in we did a sort of summary of indie authors who had gotten in touch with us by TikTok hmm. and she was one of them but we also both happened to follow her separately already on various bits of social media yeah so yeah as soon as the paperback came out on um, pre-order I pre-ordered it so you can order that now is, okay good I'll go and do that I think it's less than 10 pounds hmm. the paperback so yeah exciting yeah so that's another good retelling type one I read I did read Norse mythology which is not so much a retelling as like a a telling of those stories for a modern audience basically is that that the Neil Gaiman one yep my loan has just come through of that as an audio oh it's quite good some of them are a bit wacky because the original myths are they're crazy yeah but then if you've read anything else by Neil Gaiman like his stuff Good omens. Yeah, like that. Terry Pratchett actually reigns that in a bit, which if you've read any Terry Pratchett is surprising. <laughs> but I've read American Gods and Anansi Boys, which are both Neil Gaiman like on his own books. And oh my god, like I got a bit lost quite a few times. Um, <laughs> it's metaphors upon metaphors upon this and that and mythology, and it's like different mythology layered into it. And oh my god. But they are all retellings of myths and legends and, and religious things as well. Mm-hmm. I really want to delve into his back catalogue. The only one of his I've read is The Ocean at the End of the Lane. I was supposed to read that for uni and at the time I couldn't be bothered and I just read a um, synopsis online and blagged it through the class and no one asked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it was a retelling, but it was really interesting. Yeah. And then I obviously have the Twisted Tales, the Disney series. I just have the series. I haven't mm. read them, any of them, but I have all the series. Is that the one you've sneakily collected bit by bit? Yeah. Yeah. I've not read it. Yeah. Yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was At least they're all charity shop ones. So yeah. Yeah. All the works. Yeah. And there's always those books that you don't even realise are retellings because they're done so well or whatever. Yeah. I quite like those ones. It's just it's like anchored in something you know is familiar, but you don't know it's like a lot of <laughs> a lot of those rom-coms and things that came out in the 2000s-ish era that were all like the young adult films that were basically retellings. Like 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> Which is brilliant and if you haven't I love it. It's so cheesy. I love it. It is the epitome of like rom com. It's just perfect. It's like clueless. Those two top tier. Yeah. Same era of film, I think. Top, absolute top. Um, yeah. The che- mum, I watched it with my mum and she was like, what is this tat? And I was like, excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> this is get out of your own house. <laughs> get out of the living room that's why I didn't watch these things with them anymore they ruined them um, if you listen to this mum I mean it 
would, would you consider fan fiction to be retellings? I don't know. That's where it gets a bit murky, doesn't it? Like the fan fiction that, obviously not the fan fiction that's outright with the characters, but, you know, like Fifty Shades of Grey, where they've changed the characters enough that it could be its own thing. Because obviously Fifty Shades of Grey is fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. But does it count as a retelling? Yeah. Technically, it would do, wouldn't it? I don't know. Retelling to me is like retelling the nar- narrative in a different frame. Mm. That's not what it is. Okay. Same with fan fiction, when so it's like they pick up like the storyline. Like story yeah, to me, they're retelling the actual story. Yeah, fan fiction is when if they've rewritten it, that would be a retelling. But if they're just like, I'm going to pull the thread of these two characters we don't find out about doing X, Y, Z, then that is fan fiction. It's not a retelling, hmm. I don't think. So some, fa- f- some fan fiction which has been published as a book could be retelling. It complicated. And then do they owe rights to the... No, not if it's... Author? No. Oh. Did you hear about the thing with the, the Good For You song? She had to give um, credits to Hayley Williams. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, like... Not because it was considered that she'd sampled it, but it was a reinterpretation, and apparently she had to give credits for what she was interpreting. But even Hayley... From the article I read. Put up on her social media saying it was ridiculous. It was all her lawyers doing it. It was out of, like... It was out there. Uh, it, was, it was. It wasn't the band Paramore. It was their record label that pushed. They, well, they want the money, don't they? But it's just like I don't know. I think obviously I don't work in music. I don't have anything to do with music. But I think it's like a slippery slope to go down because everyone's inspired by other people. Not just that. Everyone samples and nicks bits and inspired by. And there's also there's only so many chords in this world. And yeah. There's only so many ways you can combine them. Yeah. I, have a, I have a friend who's got a really good good ear for picking out where a song has flat, used a melody from something else. And there's so many things that I didn't realise are basically copying each other until he points it out. And I'm like, I didn't need to know that. <laughs> well, like in pop music, there's only like so many chords that are used and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. All music is, is an inter- usually inspired or interpreted from other songs. Yep. I just think it's a slippery slope. Yes. If you ever look at those YouTube, they have those, those YouTube videos where they go through all the songs that are like people claim sound similar or whatever. And then there's some that have been like, they've actually had to pay up for it. But when you listen to it, you're like, no, they don't actually really sound anything alike or whatever. Yeah. I think not if you don't have that kind of ear, if you can, yeah, there's a certain kind of musical ear that I apparently don't have. And then <laughs> you can some, really hear it. There's some that to me are quite obviously copied. Oh, uh, yeah. And yeah, they did sound but, similar, yeah. but I don't know. It was just a few chords at the beginning that sounded similar. Yeah, and at what point does it... Yeah, I don't understand. Anyway, I don't know how that translates to literature as well. At what point you have to start giving credits. Right, go on, you give me one. All right, I might do... Because I'm going to rule quite short and sweet, so I might do a twofer because I have yeah, some... Yeah, go for it. Okay. Well, this is a super easy, obvious one. Enemies to lovers. One of my favourite tropes. Love it. I can never decide um, if I prefer enemies to lovers or best friend to lovers. I I switch between the two quite a lot. I really don't like best friend to lovers because it reinforces this idea you cannot have a platonic friendship with a guy. And mm-hmm. I think that is a bad thing for men to believe. 
see, this is where I am. I'm very specific in it. It can't be like childhood best friend. It has to yeah. be like it's someone that they've recently become friends and then it becomes something more. But it wasn't like sexual yeah. from the beginning, if you understand what I mean. Like when it's, yeah, yeah. it's always used in YA, when it's a love triangle that's not a triangle, it's just a male best friend that thinks he's deservant of something more. Yeah, that makes me feel sick. Or even if they just, I don't know. I know obviously it happens in real life, you're friends first and then it becomes something more. I just, I don't want it to be, I, I really hesitate, but again, overused in literature. Yeah. Because then it implies you can't have a male best friend and it not eventually probably lead somewhere. Mm. But that's probably to do my own issues. No, no, I haven't been agree in control. Like, it has to be the perfect, it has to be just right for me or it makes me feel yeah, creepy. It's a very delicate tightrope to walk, walk yeah. I think for sure. But enemies to love it has got to be, I don't know, it's my favourite. And like at what point does it never misses? It literally never misses. Yeah. Well, yeah. The whole thing of when it starts to go from like genuine hateful sniping to like playful hateful sniping, and then it becomes something more. I don't know. I was like those ones. They're always quite charged with tension. Yeah, and I think because we both read a lot of fantasy, the enemies part is a lot more life threatening than it can be in other genres. <laughs> so it makes it yeah even- a lot more nuanced as well. Of like, oh, um, I'm the prince for this other kingdom, and I've kidnapped you to like leverage you. Whereas, I don't know, if it was a real situation and someone's kidnapped you, that's a very real threatening situation. And if you fall in love with them, that's like that's <laughs> disorder. Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You've been groomed yeah. into it or some shit. <laughs> but in why way... Like, that line where, where, where the enemy is like, who gave you these scars? And it's like, oh, it's going to stop. <laughs> oh, if you, if you like that, that's, that's in that Blood and Ash series. Yeah, that, that is just that is higher and higher. The more I see about it, it's yeah. higher and higher on my list now. I think it's I'm definitely someone who's got a real love for the genre, and you can feel it in the things she's sprinkled in. It's just not well written. <laughs> <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's a real entertaining and good books don't have to be well written. Well written books sometimes are not good. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not even, there's some like, like that TikTok you tagged me in where like book two is kind of boring and book one's like not ideal for the most part. And then like a shit ton of stuff happens in book three. And that if you had to pick a favourite out of the three for me, it'd be the last one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, a lot of people don't think agree with me on TikTok. Because <laughs> there's also a lot less spicy scenes in the third book. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a lot more actual plot happening rather than stuff than a sex scene than some more expositional talking than a sex scene which is like a lot of what the other books are occupied with (laughs) sounds fun (laughs) i have a question for you which slightly falls under this bracket yeah it's it's a trope that i as a general rule despise Mm-hmm. But I do actually accept it in books. Okay. And that is like the soulmate or the mated or the whatever. Oh, usually, yeah. usually sort of elves or werewolves or vampires. Generically, I hate that trope. 
but I love it in a book. <laughs> like if you say to me, that's do you like the idea of you can't love anyone else because you are betrothed to this man, and when you meet him, yeah. you love each other so much, I'll be like, no, that's disgusting. Where's your choice? And then when I read it in a book, I'm like, oh, <laughs> even though like the character in the book is toxic as shit and stuff like that, and you're like, no, honeybee, no. <laughs> Yeah, I do kind of like the soulmate thing in books when it's done the right way. Like, I never like those ones where, like, when it, I don't know, when it's like he treats the girl like shit the whole time and it's nothing but like toxic, 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 toxic. I'm trying to make sexual tension out of that, but like in the wrong way. Yeah. Because there's ways to do it that's not like teaching people to be abused. Um, And then it's like, but he's my soulmate. And because people who stay in abusive situations, they will say that to justify it to themselves. Like, I can't live without him. He's my soulmate. And I'm like, I don't want you to put this in books that young girls will read. I don't. But me when I was younger, absolutely bleak. I absolutely loved it. Mm. Yeah. Now I... I enjoy it, but with a level of scepticism. <laughs> yeah, like, I enjoy it, but a big part of my brain is like, gross. Flags, red flags. <laughs> I despise it, and I've only seen it in Twilight, where one character does it. So, like, Jacob in Prince. Mm. And I'm like, but the other person doesn't have a choice. And it's implied to be romantic, you know, like Sam's imprinted on whatever mm. she's called and she's in love with him. Yeah. You so it, it's a in, it is explained in the Twilight books, and this is obviously just to cover her butt, but she explains it as basically to the person who is the imprinted person who they imprint on, to them it will just feel so natural that they would so even if it wasn't forced on them as like an agenda Hmm. they would be drawn to this person and it is a matter of choice for them because they would just be like well you're my person because I have this imprint back on you but it's it's not well explained the whole Renesme thing is just like icky I'm not even gonna go near that one um, but I don't know. But obviously, that is pushing a very religious agenda of one of the eggs inside Bella was always destined to be Renesmee. And that's why. To that whole imprinted, time. Which is obviously pushing a very specific religious message. She which we know she is religion Mormon. into it. Like when you reread it, I, I don't think you pick it up when you're younger, but when you reread it as an adult. Oh, I, I did, mostly because I had actually. <laughs> been going to a Mormon church in support of a friend who was going to for a rough time I was going with her in a Mormon church town yeah in your town yeah oh big one it's opposite the Asda oh yeah did not know that yes oh it actually is quite a big Mormon population in my town what I did not know know Yeah, I only know because of her. So she was really struggling with her faith and going to church and stuff like that. So I went with her for a few weeks slash like intermittently over a few different months. And I have been raised like with no religion. Mm, Yeah. Basically, like we had Catholic members of my family and I've been to those services. But 
seeing that from as a total outsider, like they did women's scriptures in the morning and the women's scriptures were still very old fashioned. I will, I will obey. I will be pure. Mm. I mean, this is a, 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 yeah. a 14 year old memory. So I might be misremembering it. I just remember it made me feel very uncomfortable. Right. And then like, right. if the pastor found out any of the unwed girls had any relations, they weren't allowed to take communion. But it, that wasn't done to the boys. Stop it. Stop trying to police women's virginity all the time. Just stop being so repugnant. Yeah. So I mean, the fact that Edward said that, that I said that and I was Bella, Edward said that Bella looked utterly indecent when she was wearing a blue blouse and a khaki skirt. Well, at the end of the whole, like, I need to save your soul. Yeah. Like, we're not going to have sex before love- marriage. Just save your soul. The and then she nearly dies. Yeah, she nearly dies to have a child. You don't have to get married um, to bone. That's just, that's, that's yeah. a bad thing to tell people. I'm against it. It's more like the, the way, the way Bella, like, nearly dies for that, for, to have that child. Yeah. And it, it pushes this thing that, a lot of happens to a lot of women where they're expected to put the health of a clump of cells. <laughs> You're only worth the child that you can bring into this world. Well, you know, because there, there will be people, especially if we have any American listeners, there is a very big viewpoint for them of like, so say you have a pregnancy that's extremely high risk that could kill you and might not even result in a healthy baby, but they're expected to carry that baby any anyway. Yeah, I know. Of, I mean... And- Texas has made it abortions illegal. I'm sorry, I thought we were not in the past. We're not going to go into that on this podcast. Um, yeah, we're not going to get into that <laughs> much of a tangent about this. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing that's in Twilight, though, is that kind of... It, it feels very much... It feels one-sided and I don't like it. But that's that soulmate thing as well, of, like, Edward considered her to be his soulmate and, like... Why why the seven Yeah. It's just the watching her sleep and then like when he leaves, she tries to top herself and like, she's like, oh this none of this is good. Like I rewatched the films with a friend who never watched them as a teenager. And then I'm just like, oh this this isn't actually okay. <laughs> none of this is okay. <laughs> Just so you know, I'm not romanticising this. I just remember when I was a kid and I liked it. Yeah, and he's like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this that just happened? And I'd have to, like, explain it. And he's like, okay, you've explained it. It doesn't make it better. I, I still I don't know what you're talking about, mate. <laughs> I was like, well, when I was a kid, I thought I was really cute. <laughs> Made my little heart flutter. So, yeah, if you, like, Enemies to lovers. Mm. You need to bump Akatar up your series list. Oh, your TV. Yeah, I know. I might save that for around like when I'm going to have another holiday. It's like Thanks. around my birthday around Bound Christmas. Freedom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Give me another. Um, one. So uh, kind of on the topic of soulmates, which wasn't really on our list, but is like a tangential list. <laughs> For me, it's the same kind of thing, basically. Like, I do like the trope of love at first sight romance, which is a bit, it's a little bit soulmatey. <laughs> but 
it's it's not um, believable but it's great <laughs> written in the blog that I wrote about it it's like like stars colliding instantaneous love overdone and realistic yes do I still enjoy it deep down in my little girly heart also yes <laughs> yeah yeah I did find a meme about that as well which is like ever looked at someone for the first time and felt sure one day you would marry them no because that only happens in movies <laughs> Oh, that is actually the first time my mum met my dad. She said to her friend, I'm going to marry that man. Are they still together? <laughs> no, <laughs> they did get married. Yeah. Though. <laughs> um, so maybe not a foolproof system. <laughs> and, um, you're right. I forgot that they weren't together anymore. Uh, <laughs> my best friend, I'm fairly confident no 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 she didn't say she was gonna marry her husband she said she was gonna fuck him when she first saw him i think um but yeah moving on <laughs> at least that because now they're married <laughs> um yeah i don't know and like when you know when you have like those characters that sometimes has passed even they re-meet years later or it's a big mm-hmm. series or whatever and one of them they finally end up together and one of them's like I've loved you forever or I've always loved you or something and I'm like oh I love it but I hate it but I love it so much <laughs> like you have no choice in about loving me because I fell in love with you at first sight <laughs> But then there's, I was thinking about Twilight, um, not Twilight, I was thinking about The Hunger Games the other day because I, I really want to reread it. And I was thinking about yeah, Peter, Peter, and he's Peter. like in love with Katniss, but I swear they only like have like two interactions and she's pissy with him or grumpy with him and he gives her some bread or something like, I'm like, what do you love? <laughs> is, it, is it love or is it no. love? Because there's a difference. <laughs> No, because they went to school together. And like he said in school, Katniss was always very kind of brave. So she used to sing songs in school. Before stuff kind of got serious at home, Katniss was very like always the one who would like sing the song if they had to sing an anthem or like whatever. I need to do a reread because I think I'm only remembering the the film. Yeah, and then obviously then there's the interaction Katniss. So Katniss doesn't remember all this stuff that Peter remembers of her. Okay, and his viewpoint of oh, her yeah, is this brave, strong person. For her, the, the interaction she remembers is when she nearly starved to death after her father passed away and her mum was in a really deep depression and went mute and like wouldn't move, wouldn't eat, wouldn't do anything. And she nearly starved to death and she was trying to keep her baby sister alive. And then she would basically had passed out in the rain under a tree opposite his bakery and he saw her burnt some bread on purpose to give to her. And that is basically anything that stops her from dying. Have you just got a much better No, I've memory. just got a good memory. <laughs> I don't know what this stays. When it was um, Gail being all like, I loved you, whatever, I was like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Do one. Oh. I don't think it's as overdone. They really overplayed the love triangle in the films. Yeah, no, there's... Because... The thing, they thought that all young female readers wanted was a love triangle so it's shoehorned into everything but okay here's the irony of all of it okay so (laughs) the hunger games are about this kind of pageantry and the way the media treats things and like reality versus what's in the media and then they take this book and then they make it 
all about a love triangle in the films and I'm like can you not see the irony in what you did reducing Katniss just down to a love triangle like the capital did <laughs> with a lot of their stuff of reducing it down to star-crossed lovers because that was more palatable than rebellion and I was like can you not can you guys not see the, the irony in this at all but no it's not for what I remember it's not as bad in the books the whole like Gail love me thing it's more like they were there for each other during a really traumatic period for both yeah. of them and it was kind of almost implied they would end up marrying it's implied basically yeah because they help keep like she helps they keep would have if she hadn't gone to fed. yeah if she hadn't gone to the tournament they would have because I can't um, imagine in especially district 12 many people marry for love it's more probably marriage for survival yeah, and but the, even in the first book, she, Gail has a lot of opinions and political opinions she doesn't agree with, yeah. and she doesn't want he's, kids. He's quite vocal, like isn't he, if I remember right. Yeah, and like she doesn't agree with a lot of it, and then that gets worse as the books go on. And obviously, with what he does right at the end, where he helps make weapons mm. that get used against her own people, and I, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but against someone very close to her as well. Yeah. So for her, so the whole Gale thing, basically, she learns he's not right for her. And she also learns more about Peter and who he is as a person. And he's quite and, isn't he? Yeah. And then at the end, the epilogue, where yeah. it is in yeah. the meadow and stuff like yeah. that. <laughs> I, I said. Really well done in the I'm not going to lie to you, the film doesn't do it justice. No, no, it, I, it goes in... I don't know what they did with her character. I don't like it. But I'm not going to go on that rant. <laughs> Oh, I thought they dealt quite well because, like, she's severely dramatized, and they no, deal with how I she like heals from part. that. I love that part. I hate so many epilogues that chuck kids in there when that person has never shown any interest in having children. But I think that is supposed to show her healing because Katniss not wanting kids was to do with the capital, and that my kids will have to be in the games one day. Yeah. And that is very wrapped up in the capital and the games. And once she knows, that's how you know she's safe. Yeah. She's safe enough to have kids. It's never been, I don't want kids. Yeah. It's, I don't want to bring kids into this world. And then she kind of fixes the world. She heals herself as much as she can. And then she's like, oh, I'm safe to have kids now mm. with this person who I've grown to love or has always been here. And I didn't realize I loved him until I nearly lose him. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I read too much into it. That was my interpretation. I've not read it in seven years. Um, the last yeah. time I read it was when I was was not long after I'd had a horrible breakup. So any <laughs> ending where the woman was all happy and married and with kids made me feel sick. <laughs> so I read that, that is not a trope I enjoy where women end up being married off. No. And um, usually I would agree girl. with you. Have you read Gone Girl? No, I've seen the film. I do have the book, but, but like, don't, I don't know why I haven't read it. It's an ending, so I shouldn't really talk about it. But I, 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 I yeah. don't know. I just like complicated female characters, and I feel like they don't always have to end up having children. Mm. Coming from the one out of two that has the child. <laughs> I'm fully aware that I'm the one with a child here, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I think I was you're a happy in a female before. <laughs> You're in a better perspective to talk about that because you know the realities of being a mother as well. There's nothing fun. <laughs> Not always a blessing. <laughs> Happily ever after. Sometimes they don't years. sleep. 
<laughs> yeah, sometimes they just don't sleep. <laughs> no, I think in the if you if you read the context in the books, there's lots of I will give it a read. not subtext, but there's layers to it. I, I want to reread it because I've got the ballad of snakes and songbirds, songbirds and snakes. So I want to reread yeah. it. Anyway. But yeah. I think I want to reread it when I read them all. And you know, I don't usually do that with series now. I'll read one and then yeah. I might read the next one for a month because I'm reading other books. So maybe over Christmas or something, I might treat myself to treat yourself. I think this is one of those ones you benefit from reading back to back. Probably. Because I think you lose some of that. That's yeah. got all of the tropes in it that we've all of the romance tropes. Nice, and I can't decide if I like it or not. Um, I love the books. <laughs> I'm gonna power through to another one of mine and then we'll do one of yours. Yeah, keep going. Um, oh, this kind of relates to this whole Hunger Games tangent. Yeah. Uh love triangles. Oh, <laughs> there we go. I quite like a love triangle, and my examples would be Twilight or Hunger Games. And they're two that I don't have tackles in. That's funny. I get it's kind of like your feeling about soulmates. I realise they're a bit dodge, <laughs> but I also quite like them. Because so, it usually is a pick, a pick me boy who's like, I deserve to be your boyfriend because I'm nice to you and we've been friends. And you had you stood in front of me in a tank top one time. Like I saw your bra strap once. The selection yeah. series. <laughs> the selection series. It's got a love triangle in it. It doesn't work at all for me, but you would love it. <laughs> I have also a very cheesy example, which you haven't read, but they're so horrifically cheesy. The House of Night novels, which any teen YA fantasy lovers will have read, more than likely. Is that the vampire? Is it vampires? Or am I thinking of a different series? Vampires, yeah. It's black covers. They have, like, twirling tattoos. You should yeah, picture the girl exactly. on the... Yeah, I know the covers. No, yeah. I haven't read them. They are, they are so, so horrifically treat cheesy. But they're an, all right, they're an easy read. They're one of those ones, if you just don't take it too seriously, <laughs> they're an easy read. Oh, Vampire um, Diaries, that's a love triangle. Sorry, just jumped into my head. Oh, yeah, it's quite a famous one. <laughs> but House of Night Novels, there is a love triangle, but then it ends up being not one because everyone like just decides to share everyone. So it ends up being fine in a different kind of way. Sounds like my yeah, kind of book. Yeah. Uh, well, it's, it's, it's a proper teen book, so there's... There is, uh, uh, having said that, there is some pretty, there are some like spicy scenes in it, but not uh, too explicit on the act. They'll be like, oh, fade to black, but if it was the act or something. But then they do describe stuff like hand stuff and mouth stuff quite, at least you know what's happening kind of thing. <laughs> I, but yeah. I would like to see Love Triangle with it not just being heterosexual. So perhaps couldn't decide. Do you know what? Or whatever. Not a love triangle, but kind of. Uh, in the Shadowhunter books, in the uh, Dark Artifices. So in that, they have one guy who is bi, and he has a fairy ex-boyfriend. Fairies don't really sort of identify as anything in this particular world. They're like, anything goes, that moves, I'll fuck it. Like, that's how they... <laughs> It. That's how and then there is fairies and vampires are always portrayed. I think. I think if you're immortal, though, like those kind of labels maybe lose their worth. Well, because you're outside of society. Like, eh. They're very 
human focused and we put too much well we've just got it because of religion like we put too much pressure on things that are just in place for no reason really yeah so then there is a thruple but with a girl and two guys oh no that sounds like my kind of thing yeah and so one is explicitly bi one is like "Eh, anything goes and then there's christina who is straight and it kind of goes into she like christina and the bi kid his name i can't remember and i'm very sorry i'm gonna have to call him the bi kid even though that's not okay (laughs) that's not okay but i can't remember his name so those two sort of try it as a couple on their own kieran and the bi kid have been a couple on their own in the past and then they kind of get forced into an incident where they're quite close to Kieran while they're making out and Kieran's just like, all right, I'm here. Kieran's like, I'm just, I'm just here for this. And he's like, I'm, I'm not jealous. That's a bit weird. And then him and Christina kind of have a little thing. So they all kind of separately have little things. Yeah, and then it, it kind of accidentally ends up being all three of them like making out together at once. And I can't remember how it comes about. Accidentally. I can't remember why it happens. I just know they kind of get in a situation where everybody's touching everybody but no like sexy times happen but it's like and then they basically kind of describe it as like we're not whole without all three of us that there's always a piece missing if it's just two and two and two that's definitely more. So that is a love triangle that ends up just being quite a happy thruple <laughs> I want that I want more stories like that like don't give me the boring female protagonist chooses one because it's always that way around I don't want to hear that one's a fairy one's Spanish um well Tina and then one is white so you've got everyone all all, all the things going on there um <laughs> in the something vampire mysteries i.e Suki Stackhouse novels i.e the true blood yeah. books there's yeah. like loads of um, oh god yeah love triangles in that between fairies vampires werewolves where panthers where whatever there's just every creature wizards witches everything known to man but yeah i enjoy the idea of it just being a thruple at the end i like that more of that piece and it's and it, or it's even like in. give me thruples <laughs> <laughs> there's no jealous tension it kind of just happens naturally over time of like oh we're better like just three of us <laughs> that is perfect doesn't work more doesn't work without all three of us and also i like that it's a guy two guys and a girl <laughs> guys a girl and a pizza place yeah the reverse um, Aaron books are really like there's a lot of them. well she's quite she's very like she's catholic and well not catholic they don't have religion in Shadowhunter, but she's from like a very traditionalist family but there's no kind of for her there's no shame or struggle with it she's like yeah yeah this is this is who i am all right um (laughs) and then and then she like tells her parents who are very traditionalist and quite high up in shadowhunter culture and then her mom's just like don't understand it but you do you i will welcome them both (laughs) i love the sound of this and then, like, she obviously she doesn't expect her mum to have that reaction either, so it's that whole thing. I remember the name of the one that's by in the story. His name's Mark. Mark? What a boring name. Mark. He's quite interesting as a person. Oh, in the book. Name. So, yeah, read, we'll go read them. <laughs> okay, I think we've had a couple of mine now, so it's your turn. 
Okay, I like books with good British humour or sarcasm. Oh yeah. Obviously, Terry Pratchett is a great one for this. And from what I can gather from what you're talking about, the skullduggery very much Mm. under that as well. Yeah, lots of very dry humour. Yeah. But the good kind. It's just like, you know, the humour that outside of the UK just might not enjoy, but might enjoy, but might not. Um, I don't know. But it's just brilliant. Some European... Some European countries have the same kind of very dry humour, from what I know from having like met a few of them travelling around. And obviously, Australia and New Zealand, yeah. 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 So, like, Artemis Fowl, I haven't reread it recently. I do have it to reread. But from what Mm -hmm. I remember, that's just funny and really British. Yeah. A lot of the time, like in Scottsbury, it would just be like something bizarre and magical is happening. And then Valkyrie's just like, all right, so we're doing this now, are we? Okay, fine. <laughs> or the the kind of person who's supposed to be the big bad enemy makes a very, like, human kind of mistake. And then she's just like, I'm really trying not to laugh at you. <laughs> <laughs> I like, um, in a Terry Pratchett one, so is it Conan? And he's just like... Mm. Or, or the character that's based, like, around Conan... And he's got all these, yeah. he's got all these um, stories written about him and blah, 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 about how fearsome he is and stuff. And he's just really dumb. And basically him, like, when you meet him. Yeah. And or Rick, a- like Prince Wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really love Two Flowers. <laughs> it's like taking photos yeah. as he's being attacked or whatever. And there's a book that I read from an indie author on TikTok whose name I can't remember, but the book was called The Quest for the Holy Hummus. And I think it's a book okay. series. And it was like... You've already sold me just on the title. Yeah. So it was a dragon who had a vegan shop. Everyone in the town didn't shop from it because it was a vegan shop. And it was like low-waste <laughs> vegan stuff. And it starts off with like the debt collectors coming and saying, you need to earn this much money or we're going to close your shop today or something like that. And then yeah. he decides he needs this particular hummus. So he goes like on a journey to like our world to get hummus or yeah it's just it's great and I'm fairly confident it's a series I've just not sought out the rest of it but yeah there are um there are some American books that get that dry humor just a little bit but it's kind of like I'm not saying it's I mean there'll be English people that don't get the humor so you know I'm using generic terms when I say Mm. yeah I just I think that these are books that have tried to emulate British humour. Yeah. And, and sometimes they really hit the mark and sometimes they don't. Scratches an itch, you know? Yeah. Does it? Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I never realised how much I liked our sense of humour as a people <laughs> until I went abroad. And I was making all these things that I thought were hilarious and like no one was laughing. And <laughs> I was just, what is wrong with all of you? I'm I hilarious. Had I had those issues so many times when I lived like outside the UK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bit like I think my, my biggest one was American girl who really was so American. I can't describe her any more than that. She was a lovely girl, but we just didn't rub well together. She was just so, so incredibly American. And I apparently am so incredibly British. And I'd had, basically, I had a bunch of souvenirs that were all delicate things. And I'd put them in, like, a safe little corner. I went to her. I went, 
all my kind of breakable ornaments are in this little bit. So I was like, if you're going to fall over, don't fall over there. And there was just this dead silence. And she was like, okay. And she's like, I won't. Like, that's fine. Okay. And then later, I was just like, um, did you know that was a joke? Because <laughs> I just feel like you thought I was insane. And she went, meant to be like, I'll try not to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about it like <laughs> yeah I was going to that was my plan right there. yeah that is um, my falling corner <laughs> yeah but I was like did you, did you know that was a joke and she was like no I just thought you like lost your mind for a second and was like telling me not to fall over in a corner like why would I fall over in that specific corner like you, you put it out of the way for a reason like why would you like she was like I just don't get it I don't understand why you think that's funny and I was just like, there was, at the time there was no other Brits there as well. So I was like, I can't, I can't talk to any of you. <laughs> You're like, I can't, I can't make this better. I'm just. And I was just like, oh, okay. I was like, maybe you need to be English. And she was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, I'll just go in and anyway, kill myself funny. in my, jealous, in my ornament corner. <laughs> Conclusion is I can't replace any of this stuff. Don't break it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, I was just trying to sort of say in a nice way, like, just be careful of that stuff. And she's like, well, why don't you just say like, just be careful? That's nice. I was like, well, it feels a bit snotty Gosh. to be like, be careful of my shit. <laughs> That's not a nice thing to say to you. <laughs> anyway, yes, I like, I like British humour in books as well. Um, or just dry humour, I guess you might call yeah, it. Yeah. Dry, sarcastic yeah. humour. How many of yours have we done? I've got three more. Oh, uh, and also, I've not read them yet, but the Red Dwarf books, I'm sure, will fall under that. And like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yes, I had that one, yeah. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is bonkers to read. Yeah. Um, I'd recommend being, being um, the least amount of tired you can be before you read that. <laughs> I didn't finish the first book, not because I didn't like it, but because at the time I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, not not today. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and I had the Red Dwarf books as audiobooks, and they're quite good, yeah, quite well written. I've not and... read them. I used to have them, and I no longer have them, unfortunately. But I rewatched the show. It's one of my comfort shows, so I rewatch it over and over. Yeah. And over. So I imagine In my, um... I've been told the books are just as are just as good. But the books came before it, didn't they? So yeah. I think they're written I by the same they came people. After. They came after. After, okay. They're written um, by the same people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At one point they collab, and at another point, I think it's just one of them. And I, my dad did tell me there was some kind of reason for that, like some drama. Huh. I don't know. But I do need to um, sort them out. I always look in charity shops for them, but I've yet to refine them. Uh, I'd be surprised if we don't have them. So let me make a mental note to ask my parents because yeah red dwarf was they just watched it constantly it was like their comfort tv show so i just kind of grew up watching it <laughs> it's not being maybe appropriate all the time for a child but i was stubborn <laughs> uh, my son has tried to watch it with me and when he was a baby he watched it with me many a time but now i'm like mm. it doesn't count then yeah i was really stubborn i used to steal the vhs tapes and watch them in my room and then show them to my friends uh, and then a, te- a teacher at school. I think a teacher at school snitched on me. 
my I just, I just could not understand why I wasn't allowed to watch them. <laughs> my little one takes the laptop because my laptop's touch screen. Yeah. But then he can just keep clicking on things he wants to watch on YouTube. So I've got to catch him or he'll just sit there. You can get a there's a kids tube app. Yeah. Kids YouTube out. Yeah, oh, because I think I recommended that to Netflix. They recommended that to my other friend who has baby who wants to be on YouTube all the time. And sometimes when they're out and about, it's just easier. But she likes, she's very good at phones and she likes to click on other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, I think they started using their kids tube app and it worked a bit better. Yeah, I'm going to sort that out. Okay. Right. Give me some I'm of yours. Mine. I'm going to do a short and sweet one. I don't think we have a lot to talk about with this one, but uh, I quite like the tell it like it is best friend. Mm. straight talking bestie who is the only sensible person sometimes while main character people are all in their deep mire of you know and they need the straight talking best friend to sort of say uh this is bonkers (laughs) yeah to almost be like the reader what are you doing um, yeah off the top of my head it would be in shatter me series kenj the best the guy i told you about in that the funny guy He's also becomes the best friend of one of the characters. And he's just like, this is weird. This is stupid. Why are you doing this? Yeah. <laughs> that Kieran in Blood and Ash series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really can't think. I'm looking at my bookshelf. I can't think of anything. Um, yeah. Be- Beach Read actually has that, which I don't know. I don't I don't read romance. I don't read rom-coms. I don't. Well, I thought no, but it's in a lot of ways. It's, it's a trope you don't know is there. Yeah. So like Jesper, yeah. it's the tell it like it is best friend. Yeah, definitely. Two yeah. by finish oh. and Kaz. Doya doing King of Scars at the minute. Oh, I not really the best friend, but in his dark materials, Pan, her demon, uh, is kind of like that, isn't he? He's like, yeah. are we meant to be doing this? And she's like, yeah, we are. <laughs> <laughs> in Divergent. Christine, her friend that she falls out with because of the whole she shot the boy when they were all under control. Have you read these? No, but I'm going to buy them because I I love the 20th anniversary or 10th anniversary. (laughs) They're really good. People get shit on them a bit, but not their fault of the time they came out at. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of context to why they didn't do well or weren't as well received. Or I feel like they still did well. I don't know. I don't know. I see people opinions. that have a big passion for them. So, yeah. So yeah, I like. I like the the only sensible one. The only one who's been like, should we do this? Like, are you being a bit bonkers right now? Not always the best friend, but there's always that straight talking character that's like, get your shit together. <laughs> straight away, do you know what? Straight away, I just thought Neville Longbottom, but technically, mm. I suppose it would be Hermione would be that role. But I thought Neville before Hermione. Maybe or even Ginny. Yeah, I, I was just, I think I was thinking because of the first book when Neville's like, you can't go out and then Hermione does yeah. the leg locker room. Like, you're, you're all children, maybe you shouldn't go and fight Voldemort. Maybe. And like, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> we can't trust the adults, in which case they are right though, because Dumbledore put him in that position on purpose to test him. That's future. Um, that will add that to the growing list for the Harry Potter episode. I guess in the Abhorson series, Moggit. Oh, yes, yes. 
oh. is that mm. and then kind of the, uh, this disreputable dog in Lyriel oh, as well yes but, I love like a nice version yes definitely I realised because I've been listening to that one as an audiobook I realised I ended up with a disreputable dog because it's oh. decided as a, described as a black and tan mutt isn't it yeah yeah and <laughs> it's all fluffy it's Bella oh it made me very happy but I was like oh I ended up with one of them <laughs> I have my own oh I like that because um, I always wanted that dog Maze Runner I'm sure there's straight talking bestie in those ones not ready Anyway, once you start there, it's in a lot of them. Yeah. Once you start to notice it. And I quite like it. (laughs) Okay, next one of yours. Oh. Number three. Okay, this will be a fast one as well. It's a very specific thing. It's not a trope. It's just something I like. Likeable baristas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (sighs) Sorry, that laugh was probably horrible in the mic. (laughs) I like it. The main character, so obviously this is mostly contemporary. It doesn't happen in fantasy. Yeah. Books don't tend to have coffee shops. But when the main character goes to the coffee shop a lot and they like the barista. I just Yeah, Addy LaRue. Oh, Addy LaRue, yeah. Beach Reed did it. And The Twisted Ones, which are two books I recently read, they both had it. And I was just like, I like it. I don't know why. I just like it. Oh, I'm trying to think of my I can't really think now. of any other examples right now, but I like it. I think it's a lot of them have like a person in the service position, the librarian, or so, someone they see yeah. every day. Yeah. They strike up a friendship with, but it's not really probably like if you've ever worked retail, it's the friendship you end up with a lot of your customers who are like, I quite like you, but I also would not socialise with you. Yeah. But yeah, I look forward to you being here each day. <laughs> There's a librarian in the Truly Devious series, and I think that she would probably fall mm. under that. Yeah, or even if they like own the local Chinese or whatever. But yeah, yeah, I just really like that. Yeah. It makes me happy. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, it's a niche thing, <laughs> isn't it? Worked, no, but having worked a couple of barista positions or worked in like food retail since I was quite young you do get people who get very attached to you it's it's a it's a thing you're the giver they get of very attached to you coffee. and they get, when they're a bit bewildered and like tired in the morning and I'm just there like here it is here's the things to make you human yeah and if you forget you forget who they are or their regular order to them you must be like a focal point of their day mm-hmm. and customers don't often realize how many regulars you have and if you forget their order people would like we're british so they don't make a massive fuss later years people are a lot ruder these days yeah. but in the beginning they didn't used to and you just see they're like their little hearts like get crushed they're like, and i'm, I'm so sorry <laughs> i don't remember names like i'm sorry <laughs> i remember your name you know, we actually work somewhere your name tag <laughs> I actually worked somewhere that made you fill out a sheet like they made you fill out a sheet of the regulars and like three facts about the regulars and then their order I actually worked somewhere that did that and you had to do 30 of them and it was like a part of your induction that was a popular pub chain in Britain like the popular (laughs) pub chain in Britain (laughs) I never had to do that and I've worked at loads of them I don't want to tell you (laughs) Yeah, it was in my induction. 
I worked in four of them and I've never had to do that. So that is the thing. And then people get very attached to your, like if you're a barista, like if you're the server of the caffeine and then they get, they get very attached to their coffee order, you knowing their name and that they can just stroll in. And they, I think people get this, people want to feel important. And they want that main character vibe, don't they? Yeah. And people do kind of, if you're a regular, you know, and you start to do little things for them, like you spot them in the queue and you put their drink on for them. So it's ready by the time they're at the front and just little things like that. And then they start to just real form a bond with you. And then <laughs> having been on the other end of that when I was at the horrible job and this coffee that I got every morning was just my life giver. And the, <laughs> the girl who always served me, I went back after the pandemic, I left this job so obviously wasn't coming in there every day or very regularly at all and she was like I haven't seen you in like a year and a half she's like how you doing and I'm like good I got a new job that's why you haven't seen me I'm working from home and she's like let me see let me see um, and then she knew my order she knew my name oh and I was like that's so impressive and then she remembered that I always had a keep cup that I had a blue light card because I obviously work for an NHS service <laughs> and then so she just put those discounts on and I was like oh <laughs> Nice. so I've been both ends I get it I get that trope I feel that on a deeply when, when I went into the coffee shop opposite my office that I no longer work at and Ooh. the time I went in and she said my order to me before I ordered I was like I love you marry me <laughs> yeah I, and if there's a queue they would start getting it ready for me and I was like oh, when I worked there the cafe that's in the park there was an elderly couple. The woman was very poorly with poorly. MS, I want to say. So she had to have hot drinks with a straw. I just kind of, I always remember to put the straw in. And he had to remind all the other workers, bar one other one. It's not that hard for is it, if they're always coming in? They had set times every day. They came yeah. at the same time. They wanted the same thing. They did that every day. They used to come in at least twice a day. Sometimes they come in three times because obviously she's very poorly. And at that point she was deteriorating very slowly. So they just wanted something familiar and comfortable and everyone knew them. We all knew them. And like, I was quite patient. So the, the, the woman had lost some of her ability to speak and what she did have, she was really embarrassed about. And I was always like, just had the patience yeah. to speak to her because she's still a person. <laughs> And they used to give me like massive tips every time they knew I was going back to uni because I worked there during the summer and like the breaks. I used to get a card every time I went back to uni saying thank you. When she passed away, he took me and the other girl who had was also remembered a lot of their regular order, took us out for dinner. Oh. He paid for the dinner, which I wasn't expecting. And I ordered a lot and I felt so guilty about how much I ordered because I thought I was paying for myself. And I was like, I've ordered like 40 pounds worth of food to myself, but you can't pay for this. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that trope. I have a lot of feelings about that one. How yeah. much I hated retail, those kind of things. When I was in retail was the only good bits about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was the nice regular. Okay. I feel like I have quite strong feelings about this one oh. and I want to preface it by saying I realise how utterly toxic this is oh go on and it it's it's a part of me I don't like <laughs> you're going to admit to it apparently yeah 
it's already on the internet it's been on the internet for a while people have seen it <laughs> okay i i quite like even though i hate it also the i'm not like other girls girl <laughs> <laughs> it's like bella in twilight where she's like i'm so weird and quirky when she's just like rude and shy well bella deliberately has no personality because she's meant to be the mm. your name isn't she mm. alina is definitely that in the first book shadow and bone but then she starts uh, being given more urgency and uh, yeah so that's one of the ones it's, it's done kind of well she's like always felt out of place but it's because she was literally suppressing her grisha powers so she's gonna feel a bit wonky katniss is one of them but again, it actually makes sense for her backstory. So it's not it's not a negative one. Triss in Divergent, because she never felt she was part of her particular faction. She doesn't ever feel like she's fully a part of it, but that's because she is Divergent. So yeah. she's not. And also the factions were made up for reasons that I can't tell you because they spoil the book. But they're made up. The True Blood books, I mean, she is a human who can quite literally read minds. She is not like other yeah. girls <laughs> or other boys yeah. for that matter. Uh, or I like the the ones who where it's well done that they're a little bit different. Hmm. So like Lia in Ember in the Ashes, she's not quite like other scholars, but like scholar culture is very much a part of who she is. She's yeah. not quite like them. And then she ends up, she's quite shy and kind of meek at the start and she gets thrown into circumstances where it's like do or don't like do or die essentially she just has to like (laughs) and she just does a really good job of it everyone's always like she's so different like she's amazing like incredible and because Lyra is she just kind of steps up and like saves the freaking day Mm. because she has to yeah Valkyrie and Skullduggery is has the whole I'm not like other girls kind of thing Mm. but again not in a toxic kind of way hers I quite like hers of just being like I hate school all the other children bore me, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is kind of how I felt in school. <laughs> oh, definitely, yeah. This yeah. is why I, I say it's one of the ones. You're right, it can be done quite well, can't it? Yeah, but I was, it's, I find it toxic because it's a part of the team, my teenage self that I didn't like, where it, I was just like, I'm not a, like the rest of you. <laughs> it's a trope from its time, definitely. Yeah. The selection I think, has it as well. <laughs> yeah, you, I think you're just the new term for it is like a pick-me-girl yeah pick me i think that's the the book talk term for it but yeah oh like elena in a uh, vampire diaries in the books yeah i mean they're always like she's so special and like kind and empathetic and i'm like is she though <laughs> what's so special about this this one girl like which if you reading. watch the series is yeah the series the tv show is its own version it's like she doesn't get a person personality till series six <laughs> and I think that's when they let the actress get put a bit more into it to be honest it's, um, it, yeah mm. it's very much held afloat by all of her friends in it like all of the other mm. did, you, did you know they tried to kill a Bonnie like multiple times and the fans just kept saving her well it's because she's like the Which, best character <laughs> well and it was like the whole point of they didn't have hair or makeup for her because she's the only she's one of the few people of color in the series um <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and oh, she was like why are you keep 
people I, I was gonna say how they could get away with it then but probably happens now as well to be yeah honest. yeah it still happens yeah and like she was like they find it really suspicious that they're trying to kill the only black main character repeatedly mm. like it's the main arc of almost every bloody season that they're trying to kill off bonnie yeah, I <laughs> um i didn't like caroline I like Caroline once she, her character develops a bit. I think I maybe didn't first see it developed because I stopped. I will go back to it, but I stopped. First two seasons, Caroline, not great. Then she gets like part of her except like her becoming like a badass vampire. She kind of gets over this inferiority complex of hers of like, I must beat Elena. Yeah. Uh, well, it takes a while. It takes a really long. It might even be series three. And then she just becomes like a badass and quite empathetic and a good friend, better friend than Elena is, Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway, that's it. That's the TV series tangent, but that's just for context. But yeah, I, I like it. I recognize it's not always. Because a lot of these, like, the I'm not like other girls' girls have zero personality, Bella being the obvious example. Is that just meant to be a stand-in for the reader? Yeah. Just zero personality. And it's like, why are they special? That's um, why, like, I always get annoyed when people say that Kristen Stewart can't act in Twilight, and I'm like, no, but she had nothing to go on. How is she really supposed well? to act? You know, when, like, Edward leaves and there's that thing where it's, like, the season's changing, she's, like, curled in a ball in front of a window. I'm like, there's only so much she can do with that kind of... She pretty much sums up what happens in the book. Flimsy, yeah. But yeah, that's an example of where it's bad. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll do one more of mine and then we'll get back to your number five, I think you're on. And this is my number seven. So I'm keeping us fairly even, I think. Yeah, that's fine. Slow burn romance. Slow burn. Yeah. Best kind Love of romance. It. Definitely the best kind. If they take like six... To actually even kiss, perfection. <laughs> like when they just brush hands when they're walking, I'm like, oh. <laughs> especially if you reread those ones, yeah. and then you're just like, here it comes. <laughs> I think maybe that's why I'm not so into like the mated trope because that is usually the opposite of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. But yeah, slow can- burn. Is my jam. I love it. Cassandra Clare does a lot of, she has a lot of couples in her books that are slow burn and like stuff actually happening, but also that soulmate kind of thing. Because mm. in, but she balances. You can't, way. the reality is, yeah, so there's lots of like fire and sparks and tension, but then nothing happens. <laughs> the only books where they just get together is the dark artifices the lady midnight one and all them emma and julian just like straight up bang <laughs> which is not oh, a spoiler because it happens very quickly in the book <laughs> and it's also very obvious and the slogan goes very well hand in hand with the enemies to lovers yeah so it ties in a few of the other ones that i quite enjoy <laughs> they're a natural um, accompaniment to each other yeah it's very nice which obviously the Jane Austen um, meme that we did a few episodes ago. <laughs> Whereas like, I want them 
you know standing like across each other from a ballroom but to have that that charge tension of like you know it's going down yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like um, a korean drama mm. like, they don't hold hands for four series except with a bit more spicy tension <laughs> yeah, like kaz and Inej in the bathroom literally the sex yeah we're not going to spoil it yeah, because you were you were messaging me, but either the while or after you were reading that, like I can't handle this. I read and it, like, went uh, the night before, and then the next day at work, I was like, I just I can't stop thinking about it. I need to message. Yeah. You. It was so sexy, and for what? <laughs> Nothing for what actually like real happens, but for those two characters, it's like groundbreaking for them, and I think that's what makes it so kind of like oh, definitely. So that's an example of like, yeah, again, I don't know, like six of crows, go read it. <laughs> if you haven't by now, what's your it, problem? It's the same. So when I say like that blood and ash, mm. where it's plays with a lot of the tropes and you can tell someone loves the genre, the difference between that and six of crows, which is someone who also clearly loves the genre, plays with a lot of the tropes, the difference in how well it's done. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about and how well written it is that's what I mean like it's still got interesting world building interesting kind of interesting ish characters but the, that's the big difference is the, the writing I think both, I read both so yeah and I've probably talked about both in each equal amount so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right we're ready for your next one okay um fun fantasy swears Again, not a trope. It's yeah. a I like. And so, um, like in the Liza Lachlan Mora, there's thirteen gods. So they say, oh, 13 or whatever. Which is like, yeah, I just like it. I like it when they're fun, fun swear words that you know from context. Uh, so in An Ember in the Ashes, they have like bleeding skies and stuff like that. Just like just close enough. I just love just it. Like it's just fun. Bloody hell. I think it's so, it just, it's this very small thing to do that really helps with world building. Feel real. So, yeah. yeah, and then when they're really angry, they say burning, bleeding skies. That's like, it's like bleeding skies, like Elias. Uh, and then there's burning, bleeding skies. And like, yeah. And there's another one that I can't remember, that, but that's the one I like, I know the most. Even um, something simple like in Harry Potter when they're like Merlin or something like that. Like yeah, Merlin's beard or Yeah, exactly. Merlin's like, underpants. It's just small, <laughs> but it, it just I think it really builds the world. And yeah. Because we all have swears and we have like country specific swears as well. Yeah. Exactly. So like it, it and there's culturally specific swears and all that kind of thing. I even think like oh, I don't know slang swears that we had around here. Exactly. Buzz. <laughs> so yeah, that's a very good one. Mm. I liked it one. I told you I tried to do it in my book that will never be. <laughs> I've written that in. Book, that they've got. Yeah, I like that. that. Book that but it's got. You got a few. Their own version of swear. I like. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to play with a lot of the things I love about the genre, but in a not shit way. <laughs> in a Lee Bardugo way. I'm trying to be Lee Bardugo. She's living my best life. 
just like the, the pictures of her on set with her world and she's just having her best life and I'm just like can you just imagine and like imagine also I'm um, seeing your world brought to life like that that'd just be crazy and she who must not be named with Harry Potter I watched a documentary about her and like the books and she goes back to that like horrible crummy house she had when she was writing them and then in the whole old bedroom on a shelf is all of it this bit obviously placed there on purpose as an adult I now know that but at the time when I watched that she walks into her old bedroom all of her books are on the shelf and she just like literally breaks down crying mm. and I'm just like I just want my one <laughs> I want that <laughs> okay cool let me do my next one, which I think you'll like. Mm. I quite like morally grey villains. <laughs> yeah. But I also really enjoyed just a baddie for no reason. But I do like a morally I do grey. like a baddie who's got no backstory. I just, I like the ones that started out doing the bad thing for like a decent, what they think is a decent reason. And then they ended up being the enemy. Mm. I'd really love to read a book written from that perspective as well, where they end up being the baddie. Yeah. And it's like yeah. it's slowly happening. Like, but I don't know how you do that well. Yeah. It's like that slow, gradual. Backstories of the villain, like you get hinted at, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you get like, you'll get flashbacks or something. Yeah. I'd really like to read a book told from that, like the, the linear of they slowly realise they're the enemy. Or they don't know they're the enemy because they're in the middle of it. <laughs> Maybe I'll try. It's really, I think it'd be really hard, though. That, that would be a real challenge. Because you've got you to make them extremely likeable and no one knew that's the direction it was going in. That'd be amazing. Well, you've got to empathise with them because I'm sure we've all done something where we, we mucked up but we thought we were doing the right thing and then you just kind of this crushing moment of like, oh no. Oh, shoot. You know the whole like, am oh, I the drama? Shoot. I think I'm the drama. <laughs> yeah, no, I like so, yeah. that. And the more charming and likeable the morally grey villain, the better. Yeah, um, again, Lee, where do you go? The mm. Darkling. Although he's not morally grey, he's just bad. I know, people refer he's to him as morally grey, but I'm like, he's not though, is he? You only say he's morally grey because you fancy him. <laughs> yeah, well, she does, yeah, like that thing you tagged me in where she like, she says she deliberately doesn't try to redeem him or make you empathise with him. Oh, because, he's just evil McEvil. And I guess Luke from The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue like some people refer to him as morally grey but I'm like but he's literally like the devil or something isn't he <laughs> he's like a, a, a dark god yeah who he's not morally grey he's just hot <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of a good one so in morally grey so that in a number in the ashes mm. they have the king of the jinn mm. which is a magical race of people basically scholars which are liars people historically way back when they made friends with the jinn in order to learn things from them and the jinn are like all right we'll be nice to you like fair enough here's here's, here's our knowledge here's how to use magic like here 
and the jinn were supposed to be like guardians of the world they took care of the world they took care of the dead so that they, they were very important to the world and then the scholars basically betray them and lock them away and then the only person who isn't locked away the only person who isn't locked away is the king of the jinn and he's liar's enemy in the books but then you can't and liar is a scholar and it was her ancestors that did it but you can't help but kind of be like fair, yeah fair enough you can be but it goes into the whole of like you can be mad you can re rescue your people he rescues like his old whole mission is to rescue the djinn that are locked away but you can't then destroy an entire race of people because of that Connie. <laughs> no but yeah i get you it gets it gets into that nuance of like you freeing your people that's all right. Like, that's fair enough. You inciting them to uh, <laughs> genocide. Not okay. Yeah. And then, but the thing is, for him, it doesn't, it doesn't stop at genocide. It escalates again. It's like, it's not enough. It's not enough revenge to just have revenge on the scholars. Then he wants revenge on all humans. And it just, it never, it never doesn't stop. So I think she's trying to make a point there, the author. Um, <laughs> have you read We Were Liars? No, I won't say anything more. <laughs> okay, there's no way to there's no way to talk about the villain without spoiling it. Well, it's called We Were Liars. All right, so they're not they're not the good guys in this situation. <laughs> yeah, or like in again, Scaldery. I keep talking about it. I don't know. Valkyrie kind of messes up, and she ends up being like a lot more powerful than she's supposed to be. And then that power gets out of control and does very bad stuff with it. And she never meant it to get to that point where she kind of, she lost, she loses control. I can't like tell you how mm -hmm. she loses control and lots of bad stuff happens. And it's a lot of the books after that is coming to terms of like, that is my fault. I did do that. I thought I was one of the good guys and now I'm not. Mm. Even though I lost control, that's not my fault. I saw the signs coming. I didn't, so yeah, that's another one that does it quite well. And she it's quite weird to have your heroine and the the main character turn in. I guess that is one that does the main character becomes a villain. Thanks. But the part of her that loses control is kind of separate. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really proper, but it, it is. It's weird. I can't explain it until you read them. Read them. <laughs> okay. So I've got nine and ten of mine left. How are we up to? Where are we up to with you? I've got one left. Okay, you go. Flying ships. <laughs> I knew that was coming. My number one. I love it. I want more of it. And that's in what is it? Shadow and Bone. Yeah. The it's Edge in your Edge one. Mm, yep. Yeah. The His Dark Materials. Yeah, I was just about to say that. I just need I just need more books, please, with it. Because it's a very specific thing that I love. I just love it and I need more ships that are flying or flying vehicles yeah. some description. Not planning. Anyone know any any books with flying ships? Uh DM us on yeah. Instagram. Please let me know. I need flying ships in my life. I've tried Googling it, but it's not it's not enough of a thing that there's lists of it. <laughs> oh no. 
Uh, I'll try and make you one. <laughs> I don't know. Help us make one, guys. So Lazy Book Lovers Podcast. DM us if you if you know books that have flying ships. I'll start one on Goodreads. Everyone adds some in for me. Yeah. I need my life. I just need flying ships. That's it. That's all I want. That's all I need. <laughs> I don't know why I love it. I just really, really do. And I just I just love it. I can't even I can't even talk anymore about it other than I love it. it does tie into that whole like found family stuff that you Oh yeah, about. yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's usually like a, a buccaneer crew of people who are yes, misfits that yeah. all get together and do hijinks. Hijinks is you. Yeah, I love it. Mm. Yeah, more of that. Thank you. Yes. So give her some more suggestions and we'll add them to her piles of yeah, read. <laughs> it's my favourite thing and I only know a few series with it in. <laughs> I have to think. Everyone help us. Okay, so this is my number nine and then we're nearly there. Yeah. We've been very... I think we've done well with our tangents today. Yeah. Okay, so I like the chosen one trope. Very similar to Not Like Other Girls, really, as well, isn't it? It is. Um which again, I'm sure I recognise it. It's part of teenage me who obviously fell in love with this genre at that age. I just, I like if they're chosen by a prophecy, mysteriously powerful, the only one who can save the day, anything like that. Birthright. <laughs> what, like secret, secret, secret prince or something like that? Like, Yeah. <laughs> anything worse, yeah. Something in their lineage makes them mysteriously powerful. I don't know. Yeah. I love it. And actually have a meme I found that has a quote about it, about the chosen one trope, which I'm hoping will redeem the pick-me aspect of it. (laughs) Okay, so it's the quote is, we love the chosen one trope because it speaks to our own desires to have an irreplaceable part in life. I think basically I found school really boring and I really hoped someone would turn up one day and be like, you're the chosen one, you have to go save the kingdom. And I'm like, all right, bye maths. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be nice to have your main character moment, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, Just, I don't know, or, like, when you start working, it always seems like a big trick that this is, like, where I'm supposed to spend 90% of my life. It's, like, mostly shit. So where's my, yeah, I want to be swept off into my magical (laughs) destiny. After I watched the Truman Show, and I was like, what about if I'm part of a show? And I was like, no, my life's way too freaking boring for me to be part of a show. There's no way anyone would tune in and watch my life. (laughs) Yeah. I mean it's used in a lot, isn't it? I don't I don't even know where to start. Harry Potter. Yeah. Divergent, because she's like her, she's more divergent than the rest of the people from the city they're from, which again is gonna make no sense to you if you haven't read them. But if you have read them, I hope that makes sense to you. Katniss. But Katniss isn't really so chosen one as like circumstance forces her into that position. Yeah. It's not like a prophecy or anything. I guess Terry Pratchett's Tiffany aching is just a little bit chosen one, but like she works really hard at the same time. I don't think I've read any of the books with her in. It involves the witches, but she is a separate arc of the witches. No, I've not read anything with her in. Oh, they're my favourite, the Tiffany aching ones. You need to read them or listen to them. I'm gonna, I'm they're gonna quite good audio books as well. <laughs> I'm going to read them all. <laughs> Yeah, she's definitely one of my favourite ones, but she's a little bit chosen one but in a different kind of way, in a very terrifying kind of way of going about chosen one. It very much crosses over with 
not like other girls in some respects. Yeah. And others, yeah, it's just circumstances, isn't it, as you said? Yeah. Because a fantasy epic wouldn't be anything if anyone could have done it. No, but I also like the idea of the person that ends up like destroying it all is just someone who was like, no. Yeah, yeah, there was no reason for them to get involved. They were just like, no, no, I don't think so. Yeah, no, pal. <laughs> in, in Lord of the Rings, is Frodo like a chosen one? I can't really remember. Oh, me. I actually haven't read those books. Yeah. I think he might be because of Bilbo. And I'm not sure if I ever will. I feel like it will send me into a massive reading slump. <laughs> it's a classic I should read, and I will probably enjoy them. But I feel like they'll also be hard going, yeah. and I will. It would take me a long time. Fair enough. I Uni me could have read them. Hmm? Uni me could have read them. Yeah, I think. Trash me. Who reads trash <laughs> Now I'm all about the smut. I very rarely read things because it's a classic, and I should. I sprinkle them in, but that's not a sprinkle. That is a long ass series. Yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, and then last but not least, my number 10, which is kind of, again, ties into one of the other ones. Nerdy, smart character without whom they'd all die. Hermione. Yeah, Hermione. <laughs> Harry would have died in one. <laughs> Hermione. Uh, yeah, Hermione, yeah, being the big one, but yeah, power to the nerds. There's always, yeah, there's always the, the sort of smart character that saves the day. Yeah. Stupid idiot main characters would die without them. Yeah. Is that kind of, I, I know that not necessarily, but kind of Kaz. Yeah. Kind of. The rest of them would die without Kaz for doesn't sure. Doesn't follow like what you would expect that character to look like. But I think he fits. Well, he's smart. That's how he does what he does. Hmm. It's just also a little bit a traumatized little baby yeah, well i think baby is in i want to hug him and be like oh baby <laughs> it's okay the truly devious series is really good and i think you should read that and that mm-hmm. hits a lot of your tropes including this one i think yeah i mean i guess especially when it comes to fantasy i am the most basic bitch <laughs> i will give you three recommendations based on the tropes you've given me right. today. okay hang on i'm just opening my amazon ready all right i'm ready right the selection series which i always nag you about anyway and today has cemented that you will love it you want to add to list one second is it not already on your list i think it's gonna do it just in case my uh, book lists are now so big that i've had to segregate them by genre oh yeah anyway next one truly devious series yes got it and oh. and the High Mountain Court by A.K. Mulford. You know that one that came out this month. That I was excited about the indie author from TikTok. Yes, it was part of the indie authors. Yes, I saw. I've seen really good things on um, TikTok about it. Oh, um, Tony, I'm literally obsessed. Obsessed. Have you have you finished it? Yeah, and oh. then ordered it. I'll show you the book. I'm looking at. It looks so cool. I already want to reread it. I want to do fan art of it. You can't really see how beautiful it is. I want to do fan art yeah. of it. Yeah. 
she's got two novellas coming out next month I think basically she wrote this as a standalone and then realized that she wanted to write a book for all the characters so I think there's going to be like five books or something it's not a series and it's bloody brilliant and it's those tropes you love I think you'll love it well she's a sort of one of the I think any of the authors that are part of book talk or like that author talk like the whole thing they are just lovers of literature who had to write (laughs) yeah oh we'll have to um either that or I don't know if we'll have torn by the time we do our next in the authors episode but cool right that's all of that's all of mine and that's all of yours that was a that was a long long chat (laughs) we were so on topic come and tell Um, me any books you know with skyships on instagram please thank you yeah any any of your favorite tropes we'd love to hear yeah however specific and obscure like baristas <laughs> or um come and tell us how wrong we are we don't mind oh uh, yeah i mean come and diagnose me with whatever all my favorite tropes mean <laughs> oh brilliant oh. right we I'm were a very different person <laughs> my teenage self leave me alone <laughs> <laughs> i'm allowed to go into my own worlds it's fine <laughs> yeah it's fine if i don't endorse it in real life yeah, exactly. <laughs> if okay. I can acknowledge the toxicity. <laughs> we will speak to you next week. Goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. Check out the link tree in our Instagram bio for our blogs, TikToks, and our own Instagrams. <laughs>